0: Hello to you, our dear listener. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Sabbath School From Home. Uh, So glad you've taken the time to join in on our discussion. Uh, We're hitting the busy time of the year uh, for so many of us, and uh, today it's just me and Locke. Hey,
1: Locke. Yeah, it's it's good to be here. It is a busy time. Um, My business this week is a pile of marking that is indescribably... Time-consuming.
0: Look, I have some marking at the moment. Against all odds, my students seem to have shown that they've learnt something.
1: That's fantastic to hear. Yeah. This particular marking I'm doing does contain evidence of students learning something as well. So it's not quite as soul-destroying as as the other kind of marking. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Uh, Lesson for this week is obviously, in many ways, the central topic of Christianity. What does Christ's death mean? I'm paraphrasing the lesson. Um, Now, regular listeners to this podcast will know that we have a sort of a predilection for interesting or new viewpoints or um, trying to find new light wherever it might be. And there are many things which we believe to be true that we don't talk about on this podcast because they fall in the category of things about which many other people have spoken truly. So we don't really feel the need to... To repeat them this is surely one of those topics where you know anyone who wants to find a, a discussion of what Christ's death means can turn to any one of a large number of very gifted authors so I feel a little inadequate to the task lock
1: yeah I know what you mean it's on the one hand it's it's such a central it is perhaps the central idea uh, in Christianity and yet on the other hand it almost feels like... What is there for us to talk about?
0: <laughs> so uh, we'll assume that, um, or at least perhaps hope, that Christ's death does mean something to our listeners. Um, uh, the lesson uses quite um, colourful language and really, really exhorts us to, um, to dwell on it um, in a way that we found a little hard to... To, to take in places like could you read the question out that you you read out before we started r- recording
1: yeah um this was an example i described as slightly heavy-handed in in that it's it's sort of i don't know almost ponderously going over stuff that in in so many sabbath schools will have will have been very well trodden in you know past years and and past discussions and so it's it's almost falling into the, uh, for for me, somewhat unfulfilling territory of sort of mantra repetition. And even as I say that, I I recognize that there is certain value even in that sort of activity. Um, It just happens to be an activity that doesn't fill me with as much um, enthusiasm as as the sorts of activities that involve um, enjoying the... Things that come with maybe a fresh perspective, some of which are helpful and some of which are not so helpful, but but the, the process of filtering and sorting, sorting is interesting. This is the question um, that that I read. Think about how bad sin must be that it took the death of Christ to atone for it. What should this truth teach us about how useless our works are for attaining merit before God? And then it says, after all, what can we do to add to what Christ has already done for us? Now, the reason I say it's slightly heavy-handed is because it's it's very it's shoehorning in a, an assumed dichotomy between works and grace and, and a whole lot of other baggage.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's heavy-handed. I think the final part of the question was the best part. Read it again, Locke. The...
1: Yeah, after all, what can we do to add to what Christ has already done for us?
0: I think that's a good question. I think, I think mm. I, I mean, what they're doing is they're asking a question in the first part and then answering it in the second part, um, mm. what they're doing. Uh, so, but in terms of saying how bad sin must be that it took Christ to do this, I'm not sure that if you were genuinely in the position where you thought sin was good, that you would be convinced by this argument. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit like in a job interview where they say, are you, are you honest? Oh, well, yes, of course I'm honest. Uh, everyone will say that the dishonest people will say mm. they're honest because they're dishonest people, and the honest people yeah. will say they're honest because they're honest people. Um, it's a bit of a nothing burger. So, um, <laughs> uh, I think I think we have lots of immediate um, evidence presented to our senses that that humans don't always behave the way it should. We should, uh, mm, mm. and that this causes lots of pain and suffering. And I'm not sure that we need to appeal to the to the death of a, a Galilean two thousand years ago to to make that point.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I guess the question takes for granted a number of things, and of course it does because this question is actually, um, you know, I'm quoting from from Tuesday of this week's lesson, and and the the lesson builds up and has been, you know, and it's t- it's able to take many things for granted because it's it's talking to a um, an, an audience that isn't just randomly selected. Uh, yep. You know, it's an Adventist congregation audience so when it says think you know how bad sin must be that it took the death of christ what it means is the death of the son of god so it's automatically assuming that this death is particularly big and significant the death of one in whom there was no sin Mm. um it's also to be honest taking uh, a bit for granted that there is a familiarity with the with the idea that it's an unpleasant death it's it's very much a punishment death rather than just a death mm. um so there's there's that element coming into it as well um i mean i'm trying to think what are the other sorts of things well that are just being relied on to, to sort of try and make this
0: uh, one of the things that's being work? relied on is that it is possible to or that it is our duty to or that we ought be concerned about what our merit is before god they use that phrase read that bit mm. out again
1: Ah, yes. What should this truth, the death of Christ, atoning for sin, what should this truth teach us about how useless our works are for attaining merit before God?
0: Okay, well, it assumes, first of all, that our works are useless for obtaining merit. That That's assumed by the question. Um, mm. It assumes that obtaining merit before God is the thing about... Which I don't see the cross as... As a mechanism by which we obtained merit, I think I see it as an expression of the merit God saw in us. He he loved yeah. us, and that's why Jesus came. It yeah. wasn't it wasn't like he hated us before the cross and loved us after the cross. So uh, um, I do think though that the lesson is on to something, um, in the sense that we we've used this argument before in a modified form in this podcast when we've talked about the problem of pain and suffering, and the fact that bad things happen and that it is to some degree inexplicable. Mm. Uh, We've recourse to the argument and said, hang on, um, obviously we can't expect an all-powerful God to step in and intervene at all times um, to fix our problems because he didn't step in to fix Christ's problems on the cross. So Mm. that's how bad the world is. And bad in this sense is not... uh, I don't necessarily mean, although it includes perhaps a pejorative sense, but like that's how unconstrained the world has been made Mm. God is constrained by deciding to interact with a free creation Um, how free is it well it's so free that when people decided to kill Christ they killed him Mm. Mm. Um, so perhaps there's some merit, maybe that's the sort of sense of that question that I can most comfortably agree with, I can sort of wholeheartedly endorse
1: Yeah, well, I my brain went in a in a again took the question a slightly different way from, um, from I think the intent of the person who wrote it. That the second part of the question that we we highlighted just a few minutes ago after all, what can we do to add to what Christ has already done for us? I understand it's 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 this question is being posed from within. A an assumption about a faith versus works in terms of earning God's favor, um, mm. attaining merit before God, as the question puts it, and it's it's also put it's taking a number a couple of other assumptions as well. It's it's assuming that sin, the primary problem with sin, is that it caused us to be in a meritless state before God, that we would from which we would need to attain merit, and the question is basically asking us to reflect on the fact that we can't do anything to obtain merit, but that Christ has done it for us. And within that dichotomy of of earning earning my salvation versus it being offered to me through the grace of God, I wholeheartedly agree with the perspective the lesson is trying to say. But what about if you step slightly outside that particular um, axis? Uh, if, if you all of the analogies that I can think of here, uh, I'm sorry, listeners, all of the analogies that are in my mind are, are somewhat advanced mathematical ones, but that's fun. Well, the one I was going to say was think about stepping off the real number into the complex argand plane, but I, I won't, I won't rely yeah. on that one. Yeah. Um, it's, it's more, it's more a case of, of looking at a piece of paper edge on and it's just a thin one-dimensional line. Yeah. And then you change your perspective and suddenly the piece of paper has area to it. You, know, you can yeah. kind of see. Um, and, and if you do that with this question, the, the second part of it, after all, what can we do to add to what Christ has already done for us? What if, what if being primarily concerned about myself is actually not what I've been called to in the mission of Christ? And what if the question really is actually saying because the question as written is in, is implying a a nothing answer it's imply after all what could we do to add to Christ? nothing because Jesus has done it all but what if the question was rewritten to say after all what can we what can i do to add to what Christ has already started in the world
0: yeah well this is
1: right or uh, because then that suddenly opens a whole a whole plethora of yeah. opportunities for me to seek the kingdom and to live God's mission. Right? Yeah. It's not that I'm doing anything under some laboring under some idea that I'm earning more favor with God. I, I'm I'm choosing to align my agency yeah. with the mission and and kingdom and and call of God. And so suddenly I look around the world and I see a great number of things I could do. Yeah. Are they adding, in a sense, to what God has done? Well, in a sense, God has done so much that it's it's like, does adding 10 on infinity make a number that's any bigger than infinity? So I can get that. But but in a very real sense, I think we live in it. You can see in our world, there are people who use their agency to add to, to align with. um, And exactly... Um, the same way, you can look around the world and you can see people who use their agency to subtract from what God has done in the world. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if Ken was here, he would say, so I'll say it on his behalf. It is a quote from one of his favorite authors. I can't remember who. Um, uh, grace is not opposed to effort. Great is, uh, and let me add, that grace is not opposed to activity uh, mm. or action. Grace is opposed to earning. Yeah um so the thing is is god's grace not because we have no part to do or that the part that we play is the significant part in determining the outcome you know the mm. most significant factor is god that's but that doesn't eliminate doesn't necessarily say that our grace is accepting grace is an inactive life so um you could imagine someone reading that lesson and saying you know what else could re- read again like what else could we do
1: yeah, after all, what can we do to add to what Christ has already done for us? Oh,
0: what an exciting idea. What could I do? Mm, well, you know, there's mm. someone down the street who I know their husband just died. I might, might bake them a cake. And yeah. uh, <laughs> and there's I know that there's a charity event on, and I don't normally buy raffle tickets, but for a really good cause, I'm going to buy 10 raffle tickets with the money that I was going to spend on movie tickets or something anyway. So I'll I'll support yeah. that charity and I'll... I'll, uh, you know, find ways of becoming socially active and supporting justice, and meeting with my local member for parliament to talk about the problem of homelessness in my area, and I think of all the exciting things I could do. Mm. <clears throat> it, it's a different mindset, like It's, um, and we've commented on this, but not for probably a year on this podcast. It's the difference between a student who's trying really hard to please you and a student who's trying. Really hard to get good marks and a student, these are three different types of students.' They're students who really want to please the teacher or their mm. parents or their friends. They're, they're thinking about the, the merit their merit in the eyes of someone else. Mm. Um, and that is the sort of student who's trying hard to succeed but succeeds least successfully. Um, mm. One step up from that is a student who really wants good grades for themselves. Um, and so they are working hard to achieve good grades. Um, but the next step up above that is a student who actually wants to learn the maths because it's interesting. Mm. <clears throat> and the, that's very much the picture that I get from from Christ's stories and Christ's parables. Um, you know, it was the the person who was worried about the merit of the master was the servant who buried the talent in the backyard. <laughs> so yeah. the servant who invested the five talents is the person who would read that question and say, oh, there's so many things I could do. Mm. Um, So it's sort of like if you're worried about pleasing the Master and that's forefront in your mind all the time, you may be a less effective servant than if you just worry a bit less about that. And I I think that's one of the things that the cross means to me is that I don't have to worry quite so much about that, about whether I have merit in God's eyes. That sort of question has been answered by the cross. All right, well, that's good. Well, I don't have to worry about that anymore. I don't even feel a strong urge to... Worry about what's going to happen when I die in terms of my eternal fate. The cross seems to say, well, God will do whatever's best for me. Um, Mm. He seems to have my best interests at heart. I think he can be trusted. Right. All right. Well, then what do I do with the life I've got here? And I I don't do always a very good job of sort of putting that question into practice. But I I do think that's, um, I, I think that, yeah, I think that the question about me and my salvation, what must I do and my merit before God, um, is the wrong question. Mm. And this is, mm. this is what happens with the rich young ruler. Christ looks at him and says, um, you've asked me a question, will you answer it? And the, the rich young ruler gives an answer, and Christ says, are you happy with that answer? Uh, mm. oh, you know, There's an inference, I don't know if Christ says it, but the, the, the young man volunteers, um, what else must I do? He's clearly not mm-hmm. satisfied with the answer he's given. And Christ says, Well, go out and do some good in the world. Yeah. Um I read that as as Christ saying to the man, Your question, what must I do to inherit eternal life, is
1: not the right
0: question to ask.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not that Jesus is saying, In order to earn eternal in eternal life, you must give away all this stuff. You know, in other words, you, yeah. it's your actions yeah. that are gonna earn you into heaven. Yeah. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying at all. I agree with you. Jesus is saying, are you sure you're asking the right question? Are you sure you have the right emphasis yeah. in your concerns? Yeah. Um,
0: Look, I'd like to take us to a passage. We haven't yet read a passage. I'd like to take us to a sort mm. of fascinating passage that gives some insight into into what this question meant. The question the question is, what does Christ's death mean? Mm. And what does his life on earth, his uh, earthly ministry mean culminating in his death? What does it mean? Um it's a very important question. What did that question mean to the people who were there at the time? Mm-hmm. So uh, let's flip over to Acts chapter 5. And uh, we, this is the very New Testament church. Uh, Pentecost has happened. Uh, the disciples have been arrested and told not to preach. They preached anyway. They brought before the Sanhedrin. And I might pick right. up in Acts 5 and I'll start reading from uh, verse 27. The apostles were "'brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin "'to be questioned by the high priest. "'We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name,' he said, "'yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching "'and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood.' "'And Peter, the other apostles, replied, "'We must obey God rather than human beings. "'The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, "'whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. "'God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and saviour "'that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins.' We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey
1: him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honoured by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thoidas appeared, claiming to be somebody, And about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God... You will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God.
0: Yes, and his speech persuaded them.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Um, you know, at times we're justifiably very critical of the Pharisees and it's, it's well earned. Um, but, you know, this passage is really interesting because Peter has publicly shamed them and flattered mm. their authority. Uh, and yet they are in this passage quite reasonable. They come out of this passage, I think, looking quite good, Um, especially Gamaliel. Uh, Mm. But they are wrestling with this problem. The contemporary people who were there um, are wrestling with this problem. What does Jesus' death mean? And Mm. uh, on the surface, what it means is another local revolt.
1: Yep, yep. With, With a band of followers. With
0: a band of followers and the leaders killed and the band of followers dispersed, which is certainly what they expected to happen. When Jesus was killed, I think, mm. I think they're a little nonplussed at how this movement is gaining momentum um, yeah. without the leader being there. Of course, um, Peter appeals to the Holy Spirit. Uh, so, you know, Peter very much feels that God's, rep- the person of God is still involved um, mm. in this very, very closely. They're a bit puzzled. Uh, what does this mean? Well, it could just be a local revolt and this guy's just going to die out or it could be from god i find that a really fascinating admission
1: yeah yeah i mean it's a very it's a very disciplined sort of line of reasoning really isn't it because it's it's actually a call to not respond to that extremely human emotional response to to have been um well insulted um challenged you know the 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 initial Verse thirteen. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. That's the human response. That's human psychology right there. Yeah. They were furious. They were angry. They wanted to exact revenge. Yeah. Um. But but this this uh, Gamaliel's advice is actually a, a really disciplined line of thinking. It's it's the sort of way that you would that you would think if you had practiced the art of considering. Multiple perspectives. If you'd practice the art of remembering that you might be wrong, yeah, and just wondering what are the what are the reasons given that I might be wrong? What are the reasons for and against? What, what what's the arguments in favor? What are the uh, the 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 costs or or risks? What are the considerations? um And of course, there's a certain power, almost an ironic power, in this being recorded in the Book of Acts and read by generations of Christians throughout all of. Uh, the new testament history because of course the very fact that anyone is reading it is at any time really but especially this far after the events is <laughs> an Im- an implicit indication of which of gamaliel's scenarios yeah it seems to be yeah
0: it's like the oracle isn't it um no it's not really like it um uh yes we're using the aid of hindsight wasn't there a famous oracle and there was a who was it? Someone was crossing a river and said, "Should I should I go and attack my enemies?" And the oracle said, "If you cross the river and attack them, you will destroy a great power." Uh, yeah. So he crossed the river <laughs> and attacked them, and the great power he destroyed was his own. Um, oh, okay. So the oracle was right. Um, yeah. Gamaliel's hedged his bets. Um, mm, he could mm. he could write horoscopes. Uh, <laughs> although that's doing a disservice to what was obviously a very sharp mind and someone that people respected it says that um, explicitly Mm. that um, he was a voice of authority and he was honoured by all the people Um, he was a teacher of the law Uh, it's interesting he was a Pharisee the Pharisees come out better than the Sadducees Uh, we don't make so much of a distinction between them but in, in terms of the religious life at the time there was a massive difference the Sadducees mm. were more or less endorsed and empowered by the Romans, weren't they? I mean, right. I mean, the high priest was a Sadducee. Or am I misremembering? Yeah,
1: that no, it's it sounds familiar. I, yeah. I'm not remembering it myself in sufficient detail to to be entirely sure, but it, I I have heard um, the the Sadducees were a little bit more Im- embedded within the the Roman occupying yeah. society. A sort of an attitude of oh well. This is the way the real world is. We better be a bit pragmatic, and sure, we're going to be we're going to be staunchly defending our cultural identity. But we're sort of, yeah, we you know, sort of the the pragmatic. Well, we have to just get on with these Romans. And
0: Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and Paul was a a Pharisee, and Gamaliel here is a Pharisee. Whereas it's hard to think Mm. of any Sadducees that are are singled out as being sort of receptive so that's that's an interesting um, interesting viewpoint I I think it's worth pondering the question that Gamaliel asks here what if we're wrong and this is to me one of the things that keeps me afloat in dark times if I have doubts or if I'm just discouraged or feeling down is really what am I risking by staking my life on on Christ's death and resurrection Um, Mm. and um, we can play this game well what if we're wrong what if this is something that's going to die? Maybe it does die, out, but it just doesn't die out in a few years like Gamaliel thought it might. Maybe it's going to die out in 3,000 years. Um, yep. um, okay, so so what? Um, I don't see that I've sacrificed very much. And I, I would still say that I've, I've gained an enormous lot. This this is along the lines of the argument that Paddleglum uses when he's under the ground in, in the Narnia books in the Silver Chair, where the the enchantress... Bewitching serpent woman figure uh, it sh- uh, it puts a spell on them and they start to l- lose memory of the world above with sun and sky and she eventually convinces them that, that it's a dream and Palaglam says well if it mm. is a dream, it's a better it's it as a dream is better than any of the reality you've shown us yeah so I'll keep the dream um and I think that there's some heavy weight uh, to that argument mm. and this this gets mm. back to th- this also gets back to the what? What can we do to get more merit in God's eyes? Um, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field. It's not like a it's not like a mouldy shoe buried in a field. That when someone found in the shoe, he recognised that it was his shoe from 30 years ago that he'd lost, and he felt duty bound to sell everything that he had to buy the field to recover the old mouldy shoe, which didn't work anymore, hmm. and he was poor for the rest of his days, and he cursed that shoe. Um, and resented it, um, and, and hopped everywhere on one foot so he didn't have to wear it. You know, that's that's not how the story goes. Um, it's the pearl of great price that someone sells everything for. Um, those those stories are not actually stories of sacrifice. Mm. Uh, and and I think that this is what I have experienced inadequately um, in my Christian experience, and um, it is. You know, if we could only just really have a genuine picture of how good a life is genuinely centred on the needs of others and Mm. God's purpose in the world. If I could see more clearly how that life is actually good, then I'd do it more. Yeah. Um, Which maybe, again, also speaks to the problem of sin. One of the problems of sin is not just that we do bad things. It's at a deeper level. We, We don't see the world the way it is very clearly mm, mm. I mean, even religious people don't the the people in this story are, that we've just read are very educated religious people
1: yeah i was fascinated by them by their their primary objection which is you're determined to make us guilty of this man's blood but but they are <laughs>
0: um if we're to accept the sort of central message, certainly the narrative very sort of... Um, um, and it's a narrative picked up on in Paul's writings. Uh, so are we. Mm. That's uh, That seems to be one of the things we're meant to, to accept. Uh, yeah. It does seem to suggest that uh, the world doesn't divide very neatly into goodies and baddies.
1: Yeah. Well, the other thought that occurs to me in the context of, you know, what does the death of Christ mean? You know, this is, this is one window. And I, I, I think the perspective that's perhaps missing from this particular story is more, more clearly the perspective of Peter and the apostles. Yes. So they, he does say, um, uh, confidently that God has raised Jesus from the dead. And, um, that we are witnesses, and so is the Holy Spirit. So there's, uh, and even there, it might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. So there's this idea of forgiveness of sins, repentance. There's there's a lot of familiar elements there. Um, but this passage in Acts five is, of course, primarily, as we have focused, um, this this line of reasoning from Gamaliel. But also in the early post early resurrection era, you know, you've got the, the road to Emmaus and the disciples that mm. are walking. What they find is that in the death and resurrection of Jesus, so much other things make sense. Yeah. That's what they find. And I guess that was going to be one other sort of perspective that I, that I, maybe this is a sort of a closing thought. Um, You know, what does, what does Jesus's life, ministry, death and resurrection mean? um in in so many powerful ways it's not just some simple answer it's it's the sort of grounding reality that makes everything else make sense uh there's a c.s lewis quote look which i just looked up
0: and then uh, on google and then it says it came up with a top 10 lines falsely attributed to c.s lewis uh and C.S. Mm. Lewis did say it, but maybe he wasn't the first person to say it. Um, mm. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else.
1: Yes, that's a very good expression of the thought that I was trying to access, hmm. yeah.
0: Well, look, in the interests of of um, our our ever-present but only recently fulfilled desire for slightly shorter episodes, we should... We should leave it there and see if we can run our streak out of self-control to yet one more week um, <laughs> of you know sub-40-minute podcasts. Uh, we might leave it there. Thank you to you, our listener, um, for tuning in. Uh, if you find this podcast helpful, then, um, then uh, perhaps people you know, uh, some of them may also find it useful. So please feel free to share with any friends or indeed with enemies, uh, be it with a spirit of uh, desire to help them or perhaps if you find the podcast very unpleasant uh, in an effort to heat coals upon their head, um, it it doesn't matter. Um, If you feel that we're departed the straight and narrow and you need to correct us or want to encourage us um, or have a thought on the topics we're discussing um, that uh, particularly strikes you or means something to you, um, then please email it to us at SabbathSchoolFromHome@gmail.com. Uh, we keep an eye on that email account and uh, comments we receive we very much enjoy and we usually find a way of, of discussing them in the podcast and they've left, uh, led to some of the very interesting um, directions that our discussion has gone in the past. So uh, we know it's a very uh, uh, inefficient way to participate in a conversation. Uh, but it does give us a chance in a small way to make this podcast a little bit of a community. Uh, We hope that you are gaining some enjoyment out of the communities where you meet and you worship, and uh, so glad that you've chosen to be part of our community uh, over the last half hour. Please uh, join us again next week.